Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for creating us fearfully and wonderfully in your image. We also praise you for recreating us in Christ as his body. Now speak your words to us and breathe your Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we can live today as a members of your glorious body in this world. In the name of Jesus Christ, our new creator, we pray. Amen. Today we will hear Paul's instruction about elders. Before reading them, we need to know uh, what Paul meant by elders. Different church traditions adopt and appropriate different biblical names for their leadership titles. For instance, United Methodist Church calls their first appointed pastors deacons and later call them elders after probation period. Presbyterian churches call both lay leaders and clergy elders. Pastors are teaching elders and lay leaders, lay elders are ruling or shepherding elders. Baptists have only pastors and deacons. And Church of Christ, they just have elders and, and clergy, and elders and members. Today we learn about pastors. Now let us read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 to 25. The elders who direct the affairs of the church, well, are worthy of a double honor, especially those whose work is a preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you ought to reprove before everyone, so that the others may take warning. I charge you, in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and elect angels, to keep these instructions without partiality, to do nothing out of a favoritism. Do not be hasty in laying on of hands, and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water. And use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious. And even those that are not obvious cannot be remain hidden forever. Here Paul gives a five specific instructions about pastors or elders. I find that these five basic biblical pointers for pastors be very instructional, not just for me, but much more for us, the uh, community, the Forest Community Church. Eventually, I hope that we have uh, many pastors, at least the key co-pastors, and these instructions are very helpful. So I want us to go over in a rapid yet reflective manner. The first instruction, Paul speaks of the double honor of a pastor. Verse 17, the elders who directed the affairs of the church well are worthy of a double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. What is a double honor? By that, Paul means financial support and respect. Verse 18, Scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it's trading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. 
So what is a right salary for pastor? Definitely it's a living wages. And feel free to ask me you know, anytime or ask our uh, treasurer about my salary. Yes, you know, we, we have an open book policy. You can ask about our church finance you know, uh, transparency. I think the basic rule of thumb for pastor's salary is that the pastor's salary should start with the average salary of a congregation with uh, uh, several key factors such as a family size or some uh, 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 peculiar need. Second, Paul talks about questioning the pastor's integrity. Verse 19, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Pastors are human and obviously fallible. Definitely, we can ask questions about pastor's conduct, but Paul said we have to do it carefully. The key word here is do not entertain. Why didn't Paul simply say do not lightly make an accusation about, against an elder or pastor? Because it is entertaining to see pastor's misstep. It is a fallen human nature to enjoy another person's fall especially the top dog's fall. That's why scandals are the best news to sell. Even though I'm a pastor, when I hear a renowned pastor's scandal, I confess there is a small enter entertaining stir in my heart. Sadly, every year we never run short of a pastor's scandals. Last year, I was shocked by Bill Heibel, the founding pastor of Willow Creek Community Church and his abrupt resign. He influenced so many pastors and churches in the last 30 years. And his cliche that a local church matters to God and the world. We all, you know, really share the same conviction. And he, that church practically invented a seeker service or even term seeker. And recently, another, uh, another evangelical, well-known evangelical pastor, former teaching pastor of Willow Creek Community Church, uh, incidentally, coincidentally, and the influential teaching pastor of Menlo Park Presbyterian Church, John Orberg, resigned ungracefully. Paul was telling us not to entertain ourselves without any pastor's fall, but intercede for them and their churches. Third instruction is related to public accountability of a leadership in case of a proven misconduct. Verse 20, those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove them before everyone so that others may take warning. Don't bring any mistake of your pastor to the public arena, but proven sins of a pastor's must be publicly dealt with so that everyone will take a serious warning for themselves. Here, the trial of a pastors is such a weighty matter that Paul called the triple witnesses in, in, inside of God and Christ Jesus and elect angels. The threefold witnesses is the maximum Jewish tradition of a serious trial. 
Fourth, Paul gives a preventive instruction about discernment and caution in appointing elders. The distasteful task of disciplining church leaders called for upfront wisdom and great care in their initial selection. So Paul advised in verse 22, Do not be hasty in laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, Paul said also that church leaders must not be recent convert. So Paul here was commanding us to do a careful screening. Do not prematurely select and appoint pastors for your church. Here, also Paul sidetracked briefly in instructing Timothy to take care of his physical health. Verse 23, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. I find this side note not minor note, but major importance. Pastor's physical mental health matters, not only to himself but, and his family, but to the church and church body. There is a good book uh, titled The Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Leadership, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It is all emotional, healthy, you know, Christian life, uh, authored by uh, Pastor Peter Scazzaro, and it came out of his own pastoral and personal experience. And he's absolutely right. Church needs to have an emotionally healthy pastor to have an emotionally healthy church. Don't assume your pastor is a spiritual giant who can run 300,000 miles, just like any well-maintained automobiles. A pastor needs to have his ministerial oil changes from time to time. Otherwise, his engines will be overheated. I'm so glad that I have leaders at Forest who frequently ask me how I'm doing emotionally and physically and even spiritually. This is another reason that a healthy, biblically healthy church needs a team of preachers and teachers Preaching or teaching pastors. Solo pastor is dangerous. By grace of God, we are managing right now, but eventually we need to grow out of this very unbiblical system. Fifth and final instruction is very close to my mind, uh, near my heart. Verse 24, the sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of a judgment ahead of them. And the sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious. Even those that are not obvious cannot be remain hidden. Here Paul was talking about difficult yet crucial discernment about uh, pastors, church leaders, and human beings in general. That's that their hidden motive and the subtle spiritual flaws that is hard to de detect at the beginning, but it's there. The detection of a sin and faulty character is easy with some people, but in some others, it's very stealthy and very hard to detect. So when it comes to discerning these character flaws in pastors, we have to be very careful and prayerful and extremely patient. Paul is saying that we are good at spotting some gross sins, but subtle unseen sins may be 
more damning because it resides silently and secretly and stealthily in the depth of a spirit of a, a, a pastor's heart. And here, I want to say this. Most lay people are gullible to the pastors, especially new pastors. So our commentators say, be careful. We must not be fooled by showy lives and spectacular gifts for an evil heart may lie beneath the whatever the pastors. From my personal experience, I had a several incidents where I visited the churches with the new pastors. And, and uh, several times, I sensed that the new pastors were not that godly shepherds, but actually higher hands. And, but I couldn't share that openly with other people. And, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't claim to be a you know, prophet in you know, with an incredible supernatural foresight. But few times, I whispered to my wife that I, I, I'm afraid they, they might get the wrong pastor, and I hope I'm wrong. And then a few years later, I've seen my pastoral sixth sense come true. Pastors sometimes can smell other pastors better than lay people. And so this is why I really think that a healthy church, they should have a six months probation of every new pastor they hire. And then they have, they have to have a six, you know, actually, that was a protocol that I had in my previous churches, that uh, any uh, staff that we hire, we had a six months of uh, mutual probation, that at the end of six months, that's when the official installment or hiring is established. Finding and appointing good pastors is very important. There is no good church without good pastor. Although a good pastor alone does not make a good church, Without a good pastor, church struggles. This principle applies to many areas of our life. Without a good parent, there is no good family or good children or child. Without a good house church shepherd, there is a no good house church. Let us all pray for our pastors and leaders today. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you for all the faithful, good pastors that you place in our life. For your namesake, would you really protect and nourish our pastors with your holy presence and guidance? Help us constantly remember them in our prayers as they constantly pray for us. We all have your love song in our heart, and we want to sing the beautiful melody of your gospel with joy and gratitude. You are the one who called us to shepherd others in your name. Keep calling our pastors and help them and us hear you first so that they can lead us with love and joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, our good shepherd and the lead pastor of our church, we all pray. Amen.